0: Hey guys, it's Bradley with the Insurance Guys podcast. We put together a white paper slash ebook of the top seven things that you must do in your agency in 2018 and 2019. We're giving this to you guys free as of right now. You can text the word book, B-O-O-K, to 251-418-4724. Follow the prompts and you will promptly receive that book. Or you can email me at bradley at That's not going to be automated like the text, but you can receive it that way as well.
1: Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, hosted by yours truly, Scott Howell, and the incomparable Bradley Flowers. For agents, by agents we're here to share real life experiences, tips and insights related to all aspects of both being an insurance agent and running a successful agency. So sit back, turn up the volume and let's get down to business. Insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the insurance guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader Insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome. He is a six foot three sophomore from Saraland, Alabama. Parade first-team All-American, rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'll give that a four out of ten. Oh, man. <laughs> I was hoping I'd do I'm great, Scott. How are you today? Man, I am doing fantastic. I'm in Mobile, Alabama today, guys. And we're here to do the insuranceguyspodcast.com. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, let me tell you what our mission is. We have one very simple mission, and that is to help you agents in any way we can. Sales, service, content, digital content, working hiring, firing, and here's the last one, and I'm going to give you a clue about what today's episode is going to be. Claims. We're going to talk a little bit about claims today. We've never talked about claims, and we, uh, we're we going to have somebody on today that I'm super excited to have on the show. He is from Haverhill, Massachusetts. Uh, he's had roles within claims leadership. He's been able to live the passion through mentoring, coaching, evaluating, and recognizing the talents of licensed insurance adjusters. Guys, we're talking about insurance adjusters right now. Uh, He's been fortunate enough to lead award-winning teams of insurance professionals that handle multiple lines of coverage, including general liability, product liability, homeowner, and automobile claims. He's also the author of insnerds.com, the insurance nerd, and he's also been an author at Agency Nation. His most recent article, Building a Better Bridge to the Most Important Thing We Sell. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the other incomparable Mr. John Bachman. How are you, John?
2: I'm doing fantastic. I have to say I'm blushing a little bit after hearing all of that. Man, don't do
1: that. You deserve every bit of it, man. You deserve every bit of it. I am so excited to get to have a podcast. I was just telling Bradley earlier today before lunch, I said, man, I love it when we have podcasts about things related to the insurance industry that we've never talked about before because it gives our agents something else to put in their tool belt there and so today guys we're going to talk a little bit about the claim process and having a claim person on staff so before we get started john i want to go back in your delorean for just a minute climb in the passenger seat with me and take me back to a time when John Bachman got into the insurance business. And we'll just go from there and come all the way up forward to today.
2: All right. So let's get the flux capacitor fluxing. Absolutely. So we get back to 2002. I worked for a college women's basketball team, and I had plans of being an assistant coach and running a radio show. Those were my career aspirations. Then the head coach I worked for got fired. And I realized, you know what, maybe this is not the path I need to be taking. And I ended up taking a temporary position at an insurance carrier, and I was working in a claims department, and I was just paying bills for adjusters. Things went well over there. They hired me on full-time, and I became an adjuster. And really out of the gate, I really didn't have the passion or the love at that point. But there came a point within the first year or two where I had a really moving claim, where it was actually a fatality claim that, really moved me, and it showed me that what I was doing had a much bigger impact on lives of people, on families, and things of that nature. So at that point, I knew it was my calling. And from there on, I continued to grow, handling different types of claims, uh, moved my way into leadership roles, and that's the part where I really found an even bigger passion, where previously as an adjuster, I could help people one-on-one. And that's where I did a good job. But as a claims leader, I can help people help people. So I can scale that out now. And that's where it means so much to me. And that's where we are today. And trying to scale even further with some other work we might get to talk about a little bit later in the podcast.
1: I understand that from a claims standpoint, there's probably not many people in the United States of America that understand claims better than you do. Let's speak a little bit to these insurance agents, all 250,000 of them that are listening right now, and talk about their agencies and kind of what your thought process is on how to maximize the experience that their clients, that their customers, that their members, whatever they want to call them, are having in the claims process.
2: Well, unfortunately, out of the gate, there's a lot of agencies that I'm coming to find out don't have great claims processes in place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do a great end on the front end in in selling the product and servicing their customers, and they do an awesome job. And on your folks' end, claims come through every now and again. It's not an everyday occurrence on your end. Whereas on my end, I think you guys have claims every day. Every one of your clients has a claim. Mm -hmm. Where that's not the case. We know what's going down, and we need to be able to communicate what the entire process is from The very start of that claim, so the client knows exactly what to expect all the way through, and setting those expectations early on so they know what to expect is going to make that experience so much better for that client, for you in the long run. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times it's, you know what, here's an 800 number, call into the claim service, and that's it. And that's unfortunate. And yeah, hopefully your carriers have great intake people that can explain it that way, but shouldn't it come from you as well with you having that tight-knit, relationship. And I think that communication piece is vital to any claims process going well.
1: Would you encourage agents that are out there listening to this podcast right now to have some form of document that on the front end in the sales process as they are binding a policy or multiple policies for a particular client to have some kind of claims document that they can include in a welcome package you know to kind of go over with that particular client on the front end
2: that's a tough one because you guys are are giving a lot of information right out of the gate and and you wouldn't want to get it lost in the noise but i do think it would be a nice little Addendum or appendix that you can mm-hmm. add in there to say, hey, if you ever do experience a claim with this carrier that we're quoting you with, here's what you can expect, and they can always pull that out should they ever have a claim and mm-hmm. see five, six, ten steps that they need to follow, right. and just to have it as a reference material.
1: Right. So as far as the most successful agencies that you work with, or. Are- people that you know that are agents within the industry. What do some of the most successful agencies do, in your opinion anyway, in terms of providing that value and having those conversations when a claim occurs? What do they do exactly?
2: A lot of the times, I'm not sure if we talked about this in the pre-show or right now on the show, of having a dedicated claims person on staff Mm -hmm. or or somebody that has that as a major function, where they know what to do out of the gate. They know when they should be reaching out to the carrier or the client and when to push the ball forward a little bit further. But having somebody dedicated that knows me in and out, know the carrier partners and really knows the individual adjusters at those carriers to say, Hey, listen, Sally, this isn't typical of the claim. What's going down? Or, mm. or Bob, can you give me an update on it? Those are the most successful folks uh, that I've seen on the agency side. It's somebody that has dedicated personnel for it.
1: Do you feel like captive agencies that represent one company, we'll just say State Farm, for example, do you feel like they have a little bit of an advantage? Because, well, I don't know if State Farm's a good example or not, because my understanding from talking to my claims people. Uh, that even the captive agency force or, or companies that represent them you know, are going to more of that independent adjuster model out there. But do you feel like some of those companies have a little bit of an advantage because they do have dedicated staff adjusters that agencies work with on a daily basis?
2: Because there's one point of contact, mm-hmm. meaning one funnel, yes, but n- no. Because those companies are, are so large that You will not be able to develop a direct relationship with Bob or Sally with those specific adjusters. I don't think it's too big of a situation. I think there are pros and cons. I don't know if i necessarily say it would be an advantage, no. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, the reason I bring that up is currently I represent Nationwide Insurance, and I service the North Alabama district uh, up around Huntsville, Alabama, and we have two dedicated staff property adjusters. We have two dedicated auto adjusters in that north alabama market and i have a personal relationship with all four of those guys because as long as a policy on the home and auto side is a nationwide policy i can very quickly go look at a claim and know unless it goes to a desk adjuster which would be you know out of state somewhere and, and that's exactly the scenario that you're talking about if it goes Precisely. to yeah if it goes to a desk adjuster i mean uh, unless I get it moved to out in the field, I do not have those kinds of relationships. But if, uh, if one of my area guys gets it, then I, I, I can just pick up the phone and call one of them and have that discussion. But I do understand what you're saying.
2: And, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. If, if you develop those direct relationships with those local folks, heck yes, that is going to be a prime situation of where you will have that advantage. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the desk adjuster. That's what a lot of carriers are starting to do. They're trying to adjust more claims on the inside as a cost-saving measure as well as speeding up cycle time of these claims. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be more and more of those desk adjusters and not so much field presence.
1: Absolutely. So if somebody can't afford a dedicated staff of someone that can handle claims within their agency, I guess the next move would be, let's say you have three, four, five employees. Would it be to train a certain individual within the agency to act as that dedicated, even though they're not, but kind of that dedicated claims person.
2: I think everybody within the agency should have an education from the claims folks within the carrier partners this is, you mentioned the article that I wrote with Agency Nation. Mm-hmm. It's so crucial. I say it all the time that the most important thing that agents are selling is that the claims team is going to be there when something bad happens.
3: Absolutely.
0: Now, there's nothing that's, you can be my, good at. I mean, there's nothing better you can be good at.
2: Exactly. So why aren't those relationships stronger? I believe there should be training sessions all the time in all of your agencies where the actual adjusters or the claim supervisors, claim managers are in your house explaining to you exactly what to expect in the claims process, or this is what we're doing well, this is what we need to do better, this is what, agent, you're doing great on the first notice of loss this is what we'd like to see a little bit better from your clients to get the ball rolling that much faster for you i think that's key rather than training one specific person to do x y and z let's educate everybody within it and yep. that's where developing those close relationships with the claims folks is critical i think for you guys
0: i have an adjuster that's one of my very very best friends and and that he has helped me in so many ways <laughs> obviously in claim scenarios, and I don't mean help me like pulled strings or anything like that, just, just having him as an advisor to lean on and say, Hey, look, is this covered? Is this not covered? Because even though I'm a licensed agent and I am quote unquote, the expert as far, you know, as far as the client's concerned, and, and I positioned myself that way, you know, you're always leery to say, yes, it's this way Mm. without finding out for sure. Hey, look, this person asked this, you know, I had a person called me the other day from a church that I have insured and they wanted to know if they had liability coverage on their policy because they bought some pews from another church and the pews had termites in them. And I'm like, I've never been asked that question before. Let me call my adjuster. Even though I really know the answer, you just want to make sure, you know what I mean? And and even also, you know, John from a mark, I'm a marketer first. I've said that 1,800 million times on this podcast. I'm a marketer first and an insurance agent second. From a marketing standpoint, I lean on him because if I'm about to do a video on a subject, I can go to him and say, hey, look, I'm about to say this. Is this okay? No, you don't need to say that. I would say this. So from that standpoint, too... For example, I do a, a weekly video called Insurance Hacks that only lives on YouTube, and uh, basically we do videos on subjects that people are Googling. Well, one of the most Googled subjects in regards to car insurance has to do with if I drive Uber, does my insurance company cover me? And I live in an area where Uber's not prevalent because we're not really, uh, you know, it's not a city, it's I mean, I'm in a kind of countryside kind of and we don't run into Uber. And so I never have gotten asked that question. So I called him and I'm like, Hey, I'm gonna do a video on this. Tell me what happens if somebody has to drive Uber? How's that coverage work? So just from a marketing perspective, being able to ask those questions and get the absolute correct answer. And I can say with confidence on video that I know what I'm talking about.
2: I'll tell you, you guys are talking exactly about one of the things I took a great bit of pride with is when agents would call me up as basically the hotline. And Even when it wasn't our carrier that was involved or our policy, our customer, whatever it may be, they knew, hey, I can pick up the phone and talk to John and he'll interpret the policy, how claims will interpret it, how it may come out to play. Because I know in the long run, I'm giving them value. And even if it's not my customer, hey, maybe come renewal, maybe they'll think about passing it over to me as well. And always try to give the value to the agent. And that's where those relationships, they knew they could call me at any time. And I'd provide them with those answers.
1: You know, I've had three or four of those guys in my insurance career that I've been blessed and fortunate enough to be able to call on because the longer you're in the insurance business as an agent and the bigger you get, and the more policies that you get, the stranger the claims questions are, right? <laughs> yes. it's, like, it's like when when you start out week one in insurance, you don't have any customers, so you don't have to worry about that. But once you get up to about $5, 6000000 million in premium, it seems like two or three times a month you get somebody calling you with the damn craziest claim question you've ever heard in your life, and they expect you to know the answer right there on the spot.
2: And that's why I'm glad I don't have to have the answer right on the spot. I I always hide behind, you know what, I need to RTFP, read the full policy.
1: Right, right, right. (laughs) Hey, John, I want you to tell us a little bit about, I'm interested in this, insnerds.com. Tell me a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so insurancenerds.com, it's... um, it's a three-headed monster. So Tony Kanye's, Carly Burnham, and Nicholas uh, Laparelli, they're the founders of Insurance Nerds. Really what they're gearing themselves to in their first book was how to engage millennials into showing them that a career in insurance should be the destination. Right. And they've done a great job with that, built a great website. They're publishing books. They have the podcasts out there. And I actually... Just stumbled upon uh, Tony Konyas. Um He sent me a, a LinkedIn request one day. I thought it was spam and was just lucky enough to accept it and started engaging with him. Since then, I, I've written articles, been on podcasts, talking about doing some videos with them as well. They're really great folks. If you're not checking them out, you really should. It really has a younger demographic was the intent, but they are quite far-reaching now. Anything from insured tech to independent agents to students in college, they really do a great job over there. And I've been very fortunate to do some work with them.
0: I want to chime in on the millennial thing. I was talking to a millennial a few weeks ago which I am one, but I was talking to one who was 20, I guess not a millennial, 22, I think. And she was basically telling me she didn't want to do insurance the rest of her life. And we were just talking about careers and money and business and whatever. And I said, I have a theory. And I said, this is not end all be all. But for the most part, I found that it's pretty true. And she said, what's that? And I'll get your opinion on this, John. And I would love to get Scott's opinion as well. The sexy businesses, there's no money in. The unsexy businesses, there's a ton of money in. The unsexier of the business, the more money there is because it's not as it's not as congested of a field from a competition level. You're a bigger a bigger fish in a smaller pond, so to speak. I really feel that to be true, and a lot of younger people want these sexy jobs. I'm in marketing. Well, you make twenty three thousand dollars a year. That's great. You know what I mean? What do you feel about? How do you feel about that, John?
2: So insurance, and you just mentioned a marketer right there. You can do marketing in insurance. Exactly. You want if you want to do math. You could be an actuary. It, exactly. If you want to help people, that's insurance. There are so many different roles in insurance where people just think insurance is suit and tie, door to door life insurance salesman. No offense to present company. But it, it's that old school view of it where I don't think we're doing a good enough job of really selling what the insurance industry is now. I think with podcasts, with video vlogs and blogs that are out there, we're doing a better job. But I think. We could do a hell of a lot better job of selling our industry. I mean, it's such a wonderful industry that we should be singing the praises about it every single day. I I think back to there was a a class reunion I went to and people were saying I'm an attorney and giving all these high end. I'm a financial advisor, and at first I wanted to say, yeah, uh, I'm in insurance. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? And that's where I came up with the line of helping people help people. And that's mm-hmm. that's what I tell. We have to do a better job of selling ourselves. That's yep. really what we need to do to drive in not only the millennials, but the Gen Zers. Those are the ones who yep. are coming next.
0: Yeah. And I'll tell you, I would like to get a focus group of Gen Zers and take Ryan Hanley videos, Woody Brown videos, Danny Kimball videos, some of Scott's videos, and edit out every single thing that indicates they're talking about insurance and show them clips of that and let them guess what industry those people are in. Because I love guarantee <laughs> you they would not guess insurance. And I would like to see their faces when you show them insurance. I'm going to do that.
2: And so, you know what, too? I would say you should videotape that as well. Oh, uh, yeah, so absolutely. All love social, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to be talking with Hanley to not later tonight. So so I'll go ahead and get the go-ahead on that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. And we kind of went on a tangent, but I kind of like where this has gone. And John is, to me, the perfect claims person because I, I think of you as a marketer and a claims person you know, I think, I think of you as both. I think you're the, you're the perfect machine. Hey, John,
1: I got a question for you. So you've started making some, some, uh, YouTube videos, correct? That's right. Tell our audience, number one, where to go if they want to watch some of these. And number two, what are the videos about? What are you talking about on your videos?
2: You know what? So I, I have a YouTube channel out there. I don't have enough subscribers. Maybe that's where you come in that I can have a dedicated channel name. But basically what I've started to do is just talk about things I'm passionate about within the insurance industry. I had Nick Lamparelli of Insurance Nerds ask me one day after doing the podcast, how do you want people to see you when they Google your name? And so that hit me pretty hard. And I Googled my name and you can't find me. So that's when I started writing the articles, started doing the videos. Now all of a sudden you, you look up John Bachman insurance and I have videos up there and people are catching my message. And No matter which platform I'm releasing them on, I'm getting unbelievable feedback. It it means a hell of a lot. And really, the genesis of all of that was being connected with the agency nation folks and hearing them over and over again talking about video, video, video. Mm -hmm. And it was always to the agents they were talking about. And I said, you know what? Why can't a claims guy do this? I still think I'm the only claims guy out there doing it, but I wish there was more of the voice out there right now to really... Like I said earlier, spread the message.
0: And I told you on Twitter two nights ago that you should start a podcast. And the reason you should start a podcast is you have one of the best voices. I think you have a Scott Howell. <laughs> your, your voice is on the same level of Scott Howell in terms of how easy it is to listen to you talk about stuff. I watched that video you made the other day about InsureTech, I think it was. Okay. And had my eyes glued to it the whole time. You do a phenomenal job on YouTube, brother.
2: You don't know how much that makes. <laughs> wow, and, and, that and means I, a lot hearing that, brother. It, it really does. And
0: as and I'm uh, and I'm and I'm not I'm not you know thumping your chest. I'm, I mean that genuinely. And as an agent, as someone in the field, it really means a lot to have have someone who is who is in claims who not only can do that but understands the importance of it and cares about the industry as a whole. Not. The day-to-day grind.
2: Right. We all have our jobs to do, but there's always those intangibles as well. Yeah. Um, and and that's why I have so much passion for it. I love doing it. It's a lot of fun for me. Even though I'm grinding out at 4 a.m. I'm editing video and whatnot and doing late nights with it as well. I love doing it because yeah. it's getting a great message out there. The industry as a whole. And you got
0: to look at it this way. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine. His name is Nas. He is an owner of Tropical Smoothie Cafe here in Mobile, and he actually works for Tony Robbins part time. He, wow. he just got back from Date with Destiny today, actually. And yeah. uh, he and I were talking, and he, and he said, he tells his people when somebody asks what they do for a living, don't say, I make smoothies or I work at, I work at Tropical Smoothie. I change lives. I save lives. He said, you're saving lives. He said, what if somebody was depressed and wanted to kill themselves and they were going to get their favorite smoothie, it was the last thing they were going to do, and your smile changed their mind. I had this
1: conversation with uh, my girlfriend last night over the phone uh, in my hotel room. We got yeah. We had a conversation about, and it's funny that he just got back from Tony's date with destiny because I actually kind of got this from the date with destiny, uh, that Tony produced on, uh, I believe it was Netflix and the show was called I'm not your guru.
0: Mm It's a great, great movie if you so, watch not watched that.
1: So, it, so, John, in that show, which every insurance agent needs to watch, great documentary on what he does, but uh, he talks about people always say that it took me 10 years to change. It took me 10 years to make a change. And he said, in reality, what normally happens is 10 years goes by and one person says one thing to you that ultimately changes the rest of your life. It's one statement, one paragraph, one sentence. And, you know, words, words are very valuable. And, and, and sometimes you can say something to somebody just like Bradley's talking about right now, somebody walks into a smoothie King, they're depressed, they're about to go home and commit suicide. And you, you say one thing to them and it, for some reason, it just shakes them out of it and it changes
0: the course of what would have been somebody who killed themselves two hours ago. And that's super deep, but uh, here's how I'm thinking about it from John's perspective, though. What if there was some young kid who was in insurance struggling and was about to get out of the business, saw one of your videos, it pushed him along a little further, and he becomes the next Chris Paradiso. Absolutely. What? What? You know? You see what I'm saying? So it's, you never know. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think as humans that we actually know the impact that we're making on people.
2: I absolutely agree. And we're talking about a smoothie operator. Uh, right, a smoothie right, shop right. Operator. But now let's move it back to claims. We're dealing with somebody that had something terrible happened to their most expensive investment, their second most investment, they're going through a really, really tough time. Absolutely. And and yet, it might have been the 30th claim I'm handling on this particular day that this person had their loss. And if I answer that call like it's my 30th call of that day, it's not going to go well. But if I actually care about that person and I empathize with them, I can make that situation, even though it's a bad situation, I can make it that much better for them. That's what claims
1: is about. Do these companies, uh, and I'm not talking about just captive, you know, carriers. I'm talking about like independent claims adjuster companies, like based out of Atlanta. I know there's two or three big ones. Do they have behavioral tests that they do on claims adjusters before they hire them? Does
2: that it, I'm not sure about. The field adjusters, I'm not sure about. I know with my prior carriers for adjusters we were bringing in, there was some of that testing that did come into play, but not a whole heck of a lot.
1: Well, the reason I say that is you brought up a ago about how you know these are people's most important assets and somebody you know has had their house flooded with water part of their their kitchen burns down or or whatever might happen and it's almost every single time that i have a claim problem with an adjuster who's gone out to work a claim it's a little bit like being an agent you know bitchy snippy snappy doesn't work you know one of these guys gets in a bad mood their wife just called and chewed their ass because they weren't home they're in a bad mood, or maybe they have some kind of personality disorder where about every other day they go into some kind of polarized personality, and now they're an asshole to that insured. That's one of my clients, and next thing you know, guess who's getting a phone call? It's it's me. I'm getting right. the phone call. Hey, I don't know who this some bitch is you just sent out to my house, but uh, you know he came out here and told me blah, blah blah blah. Sorry about your luck. We can't help you, and jumped in his truck and left if you think that shit doesn't happen, I got another thing coming to you because it happens to me about once a month. I typically see it though more with, because nationwide, like everybody else gets spread thin and then they start using, uh, you know, independent adjusters you know, for the spillover, if they've got a hurricane that's happened and everybody's down in the Panama City Beach, Florida for a hurricane, they may start using independent Uh adjusters. And then the next thing you know, I start getting this rash of phone calls from clients where, you know, this independent adjuster from Starkville, Mississippi has come over to their house and, you know, he doesn't understand our contract and he's just basically denied a claim and jumped in his truck and left. And I don't know how you uh, standardize that where these adjusters understand that, you know. It's not just the sales side of the house that everybody has to be Paula Deen and sweet tea. And again, I understand that there are a lot of people out there that are hard to deal with as clients, but boy, i tell you what, it sure is a lot easier to get bees with honey than it is vinegar.
2: Hell yes. And and I will say it may be increased frequency where you see those situations with independent adjusting firms, Mm -hmm. but it happens with staff adjusters. Mm -hmm. It happens with desk adjusters. It does, because I'll tell you, it wears on you when when you're hearing negative things all the time, but that's not an excuse. That adjuster, every time they pick up the phone, I I had an adjuster friend of mine 10, 15 years ago, where he was the grumpiest guy in the world Mm -hmm. um, in real life, but on the phone, and he used to say, when I pick up the phone, it's a switch, and I turn it on, Mm -hmm. and he referred to it as... It's an acting job. A
0: great program that I would encourage everybody to do is the Disney Customer Experience Seminar Workshop, basically. A good friend of mine, Scott Tindall, who is, if you are around the Mobile, Alabama area, he's a brilliant entrepreneur, probably the most well-known guy in the city. He was on Shark Tank several years ago. He owns a, he calls it entrepreneurism business, a sort of hospitality industry and he sends all of his people to the Disney Institute and one thing that they talk about that i apply to me and with my folks is on stage off stage cuz disney teaches yes. that to their characters and their employees is is no matter what you have going on out here it's on stage off stage okay when it's time to deal with that customer you are on stage you cannot you cannot waver the reason mcdonald's is so successful is it's consistent you have to be consistent and you have to be the same person, no matter what's going on in your personal life.
2: We all have things in our personal life right? That we always say to check it at the door. It's not realistic. It's always in the back of your mind, but you have to filter it out. And like this guy said about picking up the phone and it's being a switch. Yeah, that last call, that guy could have called me every name in the book. He's not happy with me, but that's okay. I'm on the next call. Right. And I have to be there for that person For that one claim that they're experiencing. That's it. There's no excuses.
1: Well, I'm gonna talk on behalf of the two hundred and fifty thousand insurance agents listening to this podcast right now. If there are insurance executives that listen to this podcast, I wanna speak to them for just a minute. So I, I have a pretty good little size agency. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not about to you know all retire and go buy an island in the caribbean or anything but we got a lot of clients we've got nearly 2000 clients and i deal with this on a daily basis uh, maybe not daily but once a week anytime that i have a claim it doesn't matter if it's auto or home if a desk adjuster is used in that particular claim for whatever reason maybe it's the dollar limit maybe it's just for whatever reason, a desk adjuster has been assigned to that case versus a field adjuster. I would say that I would 100% of the time want to have that field adjuster assigned because desk adjuster claims just seem disjointed and they don't seem to ever go quite like you want them to. Does that make sense?
2: I'd actually argue a bit. I've had some great desk adjusters. i I worked uh, for a company where we had a property division that had a fast track unit Mm -hmm. and dealt with water damage. These cats were so Mm well-trained that they could scope it over the phone with Mm -hmm. you, Mm -hmm. write the estimate, and have a check in the mail by the time the phone call was over.
1: And I agree with you about that. I think when a claim goes well in terms of a a desk adjuster type role, when it goes well, it goes well. But when you start having hair, like what I talked about earlier, having hair on a claim or something's going to get denied, Mm -hmm. it just seems like people take that news better and seem to be a little more satisfied if it is something that maybe is going to get denied or there's just some, some extenuating circumstances that in person, face to face, type uh scenario seems to work better than when that happens with a desk adjuster and you've got the insured's called them and it's been two days and they hadn't called them back and it it, it just seems like when things don't go well with a claim the field adjuster role seems to do better with those people than doing it with a desk adjuster and that's maybe i'm wrong maybe that's just my agency i don't know
2: but uh, no I, i will say especially with coverage disputes Right. If there aren't boots on the ground with actual physical eyes looking at whatever the situation may be, right? how is that client, that customer going to take that news knowing that somebody a thousand miles away is making this decision? Exactly. They're not going to feel good about it. So exactly. I do agree with you on that front.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think you're right. My new favorite saying is why can't both be true? I think when a claim does go well, and things you know like you said the desk adjuster knows their crap backwards and forwards they get off the phone yeah I've got the pictures right here everything's great about to send you a check well hell there's nothing to talk about then right i mean this if things go well they go well but in in those other type of situations i almost feel like when you get into that and you have a client that has called that desk adjuster or maybe the desk adjusters called them and things haven't gone well, and there's questions, and you can kind of tell that the insured really doesn't understand or know what in the hell's going on, at some point it just feels like they need to just throw their hands up and go, hey, you know what, we've got a field adjuster in Huntsville, Alabama, I'm going to assign this to him and let him come out there and talk with you and meet with you and go over all this so that you understand it fully.
2: And that's where that training comes in where you have to be specialized and trained so well Mm. that you recognize if somebody's a little hesitant, they shouldn't have to turn around and say, I don't understand it. You should know they don't understand it and what can I do to help them understand it? And whether that's sending out a field adjuster or, or doing a better job explaining it, that's where that training is so key for us claims folks as well.
1: Absolutely. I've got one last question before I let you go today so what do you feel like in terms of adjusters you know in terms of just the world of adjusters in the insurance industry what do you feel like the long-term future is for them in the next 5, 10, 15 years do you feel like it's gonna stay status quo if there's gonna be uh, marked changes in that particular job role what what, what are your thoughts on that
2: well, there, there are going to be changes. When you're going out 10 years, there's going to be major changes. Uh, you, I just got back from a conference that I uh, participated in where we were talking about all the insure tech advances out there, including AI and whatever it may be, that computers are going to be able to estimate some of the damage for us. Mm. That doesn't mean that every adjuster is going to lose their job because the information going in to the computer still has to be great and it has to be done by those trained professionals. Mm -hmm. So the adjuster is going to have to, be that much smarter and that much well trained to be able to make sure those processes are are moving forward as well there will be changes but it's not like there's going to stop being uh, insurance adjusters the computers aren't taking over the world just yet
1: well John I want to tell you how much I appreciate how much Bradley and I both appreciate you being on the podcast it means a lot to us that you'd come on today absolutely man I almost feel like I just need to have you on we need to have you on like once a year and just talk that would be a good Idea talk claims talk you know ways we can What's do things going better. on in the world of claims absolutely I'd love to do that but I'm going to go ahead and close this thing out guys listen claims and I've said this before on other podcasts and and people have disagreed with me about that and that's fine but I do think that the claims experience and the way your agency handles claims and the way the company that you represent handles claims or multiple companies is going to be part of the success or failure that you have. In the insurance business and uh, I don't think that we're at a point now in the world that we live in where somebody can call and say hey I just got hit by you know drunk driver or whatever the case may be that we can just say well here's the 1-800 number just call them and go ahead and report the claim you know, Bradley talks a lot about the customer experience and then, you know, customer service. I guess this would fall under customer service. Don't get me started. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know, we all need to do a better job of, you know, scripting out what we're going to say when we have someone call in a claim, uh, how we're going to assist them. And as I always like to say, how how are we going to hold their hand through that process to make sure that from front to finish, that process is something that when it's finished, they say, you know what? I feel like I was well taken care of because I'm going to tell everybody listening to this show right now. If you ever want to lose a client faster than you've ever lost a client in your entire life, you know, let them have a bad claims experience. And not only will you lose that client, but then they're going to go out and tell 200 people, their, t- their favorite 200 people that they know about what an awful experience it was. So we just got to all get better at it, John. We really do. But guys, listen to me. Get your ass out from behind that desk and go sell some insurance today for your family. Remember, rewards come from action, not discussion. Go write good business for the agencies that you represent and go write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Appreciate you too. Hey, guys. John. John, thank you today for coming on. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com.